You are listening to the Hematology Podcast by Sanofi. Monoclonal gammopathy of renal significance, MGRS, is a hematonephrological term referring to a heterogeneous group of kidney disorders characterized by direct or indirect kidney injury caused by monoclonal immunoglobulins produced by a B-cell or plasma cell clone that does not meet current hematologic criteria for therapy. MGRS-associated kidney diseases are diverse and can result in the development of end-stage kidney disease. In this episode, we have the pleasure of having the Belgian assistant professor, Dr. Amarylis Kranenbroek, with us. She is professor at University of Leuven and specializes in kidney transplantation and kidney diseases. She is board member of different research societies, like, for example, chair position in European Renal Association. Professor van Kranenbroek is also a frequent speaker at international scientific conferences, and she will bring us up to date on recent understandings of the MGRS, how to diagnose and what symptoms we as hematologists should be aware of. This is the Hematology Podcast, and I am Mats Merup. So welcome, Amarilis. Good to have you here. Thank you, Mats. Can I say Mats? Of course, of course. (laughs) We should have a nice chat here and a pleasant talk. So as a hematologist, I see we have a lot of indolent diseases that we don't treat. And we have many diseases with circulating antibodies. We have the MGAS patients, but we also have circulating monoclonal antibodies in many other diseases like CLL and Waldenstrom. And we know that we can have different types of complications that are quite rare. And one can, of course, be renal complications. And this is important to discover in time. And that's why I think it's very interesting to have this talk with you today. And the term MGRS was quite new to me, although I know the phenomena. Could you just tell me what what is MGRS and what, what does it include? Well, MGRS actually is not new, and you already briefly touched upon the the definition in the introduction. And it's a concept which was born in the beginning of, of, in 2012. And they saw that in some cases, we saw an unexplained kidney injury, a renal failure, in patients with a circulating uh, monoclonal, with an MPK, a monoclonal antibody, in which treatment was asked for by a nephrologist. And this is what MGRS makes very specific, that we have a disease with a circulating antibody, but the question for treatment comes not from the hematologist, but it's us, nephrologists, who are asking you, hematologists, to treat this kidney disease. So the actual definition of MGRS is twofold. So you touched already upon the necessity of having a monoclonal peak, so an M-peak. And it's also true that one or more kidney lesions have to be related to this specific uh, immunoglobulin. So we have to see direct toxicity or we have to see injury in the kidney uh, as a consequence of the presence of a monoclonal immunoglobulin. And as a second part of this definition, and there is where therapy comes into play, that the underlying B-cell or plasma cell clone does not cause tumor complications or meet any current hematological criteria for specific therapy. And like I said, it's thus the nephrologist who is setting the incentive for hematological therapy here. 
coming back to the presence of the monoclonal immunoglobulin in the kidney means that we need to have a kidney biopsy to be able to speak about MGRs. We will get to that a little bit later on here, yes. I understand from my hematological point of view that, uh, I mean, we have lots of diseases with circulating monoclonal antibodies like MGAS Mm -hmm. that sometimes give renal complications and then they are not MGAS. But we also see it in CLL and uh, Waldenstrom that does not necessarily always need hematologic treatment and other types of lymphoplasmocytic lymphomas. Uh, We can also see it in smoldering myeloma. And I understand that all these group of hematological diseases can be included in this if they have circulating antibodies and if they don't require treatment from the perspective of of me as a hematologist. But I understand that um, MGRS can comprise diseases with different types of antibodies, not only IgG and IgA, but also IgM and light chains. True, yes. They are all comprised in the MGRs, which comes from a little bit different diseases from my perspective as a hematologist. Sure. So we can see intact uh, immunoglobulins. We can see short chains, light chains. Exactly. Yeah. And that means that also AL amyloidosis can belong to this group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. What I can mention here is that... um, like you know, as hematologists, is that the uh, light chains, of course, are smaller than the than the intact immunoglobulin. So what we see in practice is that if you're talking about the compartment of a nephron, you have the glomerulus, you have the tubular interstitial compartment, and we have the vasculature. And in MGRS, you can have them; the three of them can be affected. But if we are talking about an intact immunoglobulin, then it's most likely to find a disease or injury in the glomerulus, since this intact globulin doesn't get into the tubuli, it doesn't get into the tubular interstitial compartment. And that's why we see more light chain pathology in, in the proximal tubules, for example, than we see in the glomerulus. So it's also something to do with, uh, with um, physical characteristics of the immunoglobulins, of course. So, uh, and a light chain, would that affect the kidney in a different area? So, the light chain is able to pass the GBM. Mm. So, it's filtered by the glomerulus. So, it means that it gets into the tubules and it can damage the kidney there. So, we can, for example, see light chain proximal tubulopathy, which is only an example of uh, MGRS. Does that give a different clinical picture? Exactly. So yeah, if if you have to, if you're asking about the clinical pictures of uh, MGRS, then you have to know that they're very, very heterogeneous. And again, it depends on the compartment being affected. If it's the glomerulus, we do see a nephrotic syndrome, which you are familiar with, I think, as a hematologist. You have heavy proteinuria, you have edema, a low albumin level in the in the plasma. Again, not only a nephrotic syndrome is possible, but also a nephritic syndrome, which means that you also have um, like red blood cells, hematuria in the urine. So the glomerulus there is damaged. And when we are speaking about damage in the tubular interstitial compartment, you can see uh, damage in the form of a Fanconi syndrome, which is typically a loss of glucose, phosphate and proteins in the urine. Uh, you can see also uh, deterioration in renal function, so an acute kidney injury there. 
And when the vasculature, the third compartment, is damaged in the context of MGRS, you can see everything, but you do see also loss of kidney function. So let's move back a little bit. Could you say something about prevalence and incidence of MGRS? It's different hematological diseases. You also have your prevalence from the renal perspective, how often you see this in patients with kidney disease and, and it's different perspectives. Yeah, of course, the type of, of patients we are seeing in our clinic is, is quite different because we see patients in our clinic who, who have been referred for acute kidney injury, for example, and measuring the MPIC is in our workup of a patient with acute kidney injury. Not always, but it can be in the workup. So speaking of, about prevalence, then I think you know that MGUS is a rather common problem. And in retrospective databases, it's in about 1% to 10% of patients with MGUS that you can have MGRS. So in MGUS patients, it's quite prevalent. Uh, one in 10 is quite prevalent for us. And on, on a yearly basis here in our hospital, it's not a very rare disease anymore because we are, we are looking for it, of course. But I'm convinced that Globally seen, MGRS is an entity which is underdiagnosed because we have to think about it. Mm -hmm. You also already talked a little bit about how different parts of the kidney can be affected depending a little bit of the, if it's a complete antibody or, or a light chain only. Yes. So what can you see in the kidney, in the pathology? You, can you see sometimes intact antibodies, sometimes you see amyloidosis. And why does it look differently when it's based on, on, on monoclonal disease? Do we know that? It's a, that's actually a, a very, a very good question. And it's also a question about pathophysiology a bit. But let's first start with a, with a classification of MGRS, which for us nephrologists is based actually on the pathology. So we do see MGRS in two ways. You, you can see you have the cases in which you can visualize the monoclonal immunoglobulin deposits by immunofluorescence on the kidney biopsy. And there we typically see uh, structures in the kidney biopsy, which can be organized or non-organized. The organized ones is, for example, amyloidosis. So amyloidosis is a disease in which the immunoglobulin triggers the formation of amyloid which in consequence also triggers an inflammatory reaction in the kidney. Another immunoglobulin could cause another disease, for example, PGNMID, so a proliferative disorder of the kidney. And the choice between the two uh, phenotypes of the disease is made a little bit by the antibody, and we don't know why one antibody is causing one MGRS-type disease and the other one another one. So that's still open question and there is still um, uh, room for, for uh, better knowledge on this, room for, for good research on this. So in, in we also speak about MGRS when we don't visualize the immunoglobulin deposits in the kidney. It means that there are very rare uh, forms of MGRS, for example, um, C3 uh, glomerulopathy and TMA which can be the consequence of a, the presence of an immunoglobulin, which in part activates complement. And this uh, activation of the complement cascade also causes kidney damage. So the visualization of the 
immunoglobulin on the kidney biopsies is not always necessary to have MGRS. And that's important, I think, to know. Normally it is, but there are cases described in uh, which it's more difficult to visualize the responsible immunoglobulin. And how is it then in the patients? The patients should have uh, monoclonal circulating immunoglobulin. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, in all cases. In all cases, exactly. Finding a clone is, is something more difficult sometimes, but yeah. uh, by definition, we do have an MPIC. Yeah. Very good. Now you really taught me something. I didn't know this about amyloidosis. Very interesting how it <laughs> develops. Um, you always learn. So let's talk a little bit how we discover these patients. I guess some patients come to you with a more or less advanced renal disease directly. Mm -hmm. And some patients are referred from hematologists and maybe from other doctors also. Do you have a feeling for how, how, how these patients appear to you? Uh, most patients present indeed with or a declining renal function, so with a, a chronic or acute kidney injury or with a nephrotic syndrome. And it's there where we screen for the presence of a monoclonal uh, or of an MPIC, so monoclonal antibody. And, and there we question uh, ourselves whether it would be useful to do a kidney biopsy because we need a biopsy for the diagnosis of MGRS. Do you have a feeling that many patients have gone for controls at the hematology department for a long time before they develop the renal problem? Most patients we uh, are referred to is uh, they come from the generalists, not from the hematologists. Mm -hmm. So they are probably quite recently diagnosed. Probably. Probably, yeah. yeah. Or the hematologists don't screen their patients uh, on the urine. That's also possible. Mm. Don't screen the urine of their patients. But I don't think so. Are you screening the, the urine samples of your patients? Always, okay. yeah. We, because we are quite aware of this problem. So okay. uh, I, I think it's very important. And I, I always, when I get a new patient with MGAS, for instance, and they have a renal failure for, from before, I think that can be tricky. And then it's important to know the renal history, to know, I mean, is this a renal failure or renal it's not failure, maybe it's it's uh, a reduced renal capacity. That that mm -hmm. is is it new? Has it to do with the MGAS or is it something old? And that I think can be tricky sometimes to know. Yeah, but you can have an answer in a kidney biopsy. Yeah, but I don't do. Uh, and honestly, I don't think the kidney the the nephrologists want to do kidney biopsies in all these patients. <laughs> not in all of them, but it it might be worth discussing this in, in patients where you are not sure to discuss these cases with, uh, with uh, a nephrologist. Mm. Because when there could be a treatment indication to recover um, kidney function and to prevent that they are proceeding into end-stage renal disease or end-stage kidney disease and the need for dialysis, you can, you can really help your patients. Of course. Also in a patient, for example, with diabetes, uh, with uh, diabetes for, for, for example, 10 years and an increase in proteinuria, but also an MPIC, that's the type of patients we would also do a kidney biopsy to differentiate between diabetes and uh, MGRS mm. because the treatment is completely different. Mm. So then we sort of come to my next question because that is if early detection is, is important and I guess it is. But then what should I look at as a hematologist in these patients? You have touched on it, but it could be again good to say, when should I discuss with a nephrologist? 
we talked about different symptoms. We talk about renal function. We talk about nephrotic syndrome, nephritic syndrome. Uh, maybe I look a lot at uh, creatinine, at, at renal function. And, and please tell me how I should do in the future. I think, of course, looking at creatinine, you, you should do looking at the protein levels uh, in the urine, so the proteinuria, of course, also. Maybe it's also um, useful to screen now and then uh, for a urine sediment to see whether there is hematuria or not. Because it's in that way you find like in the phytic sediment, of course. And which patients you should refer to the um, uh, nephrologist or at least discuss with the nephrologist is, the, is in those patients where you, you are not you, sure yourself. When you as a hematologist are asking yourself, could this be MGRS? Well, then this is the moment, I think, to just take the phone and discuss with the nephrologist. And I can imagine in a patient with MGUS and a, um, a decline in renal function and or a sudden onset of proteinuria, those patients are very welcome on the department and we probably will do a kidney biopsy in them. I always agree with you that discussion with between different specialists is very important in this. But I think we as a hematologist, I react to quite small changes in, in renal function more maybe than I think a nephrologist does. So that can be uh, you know, you know, we don't want to disturb you for just small things. <laughs> yeah, no, but we learn from each other, and I think uh, uh, having good connections in in the other world is is very useful. Yeah, because a, a creatinine uh, increase of zero uh, point nine to one point three, for example, might be not so important for hematologists, but for us, it can be important, mm. especially when there is like a beginning increase in proteinuria. So, um, yeah, I think. The discussion um, between the two disciplines is, is very important, not only for the management, but also for the diagnosis of the patients. Yeah, Maybe hematologists are a little bit afraid that um, if you refer a patient to us, that we are going to do a kidney biopsy anyway. But that's not true. But we, we, we should see it case, case per mm. case. Okay, and the biopsy we've talked a little bit about, and that is, of course, crucial for the diagnosis and uh, mm -hmm. that you have to do. Yes. And we have some, I mean, and you discussed here the antibodies that you usually see, but not always. Um, and then we uh, have some rare cases with other types of, of uh, uh, damaging hematologic disease that, that is not antibody-mediated, but the, uh, that is quite rare. So you mean the C3 um, um, glomerulopathy and the TMA, which is driven by a monoclonal antibody? Mm. Yeah. Do they always have circulating, uh, visible circulating antibodies? No, no. So that's what makes it, it very um, confusing sometimes, because we do have, we do see TMA in other contexts. Mm. So the TMA is only uh, the, the monoclonal immunoglobulin-induced TMA is very rare for us. The same for C3 um, glomerulopathy. But you have to think about it when you see it, that it could be secondary to um, uh, an M protein. Yeah. So, and now when you have diagnosed MGRS, how should we manage that? How, how much can I do with hematological treatment and... and uh, when will you have to treat the patient with dialysis and, and maybe transplant? How often is each of these? Well, I think when we see a patient for the, when we diagnose a patient with uh, 
MGRS, we of course want to have the best therapy possible and the best therapy is clonal directed therapy. So we have to look for the responsible clone and we hope to find it. And I have to say here that there are some cases in MGRS in which we don't even find the clone. So then we, we go to empirical therapy, uh, which can be very difficult. But whenever we find the clone and we look for it together with you, of course, because that's also very important collaboration here, uh, that we choose for um, um, very specific therapy um, based on the clone we find. Plasma cell clone, B cell clone, um, that's very familiar to you hematologists, I think. Um, dialysis treatment, it's not a causal treatment, of course, and it's a renal replacement therapy, and we hope that we don't have to give it to our patients just uh, diagnosed with MGRS, because the, the main uh, aim of therapy is to decrease the rate of kidney decline, and that we do with the causal therapy. How reversible is the kidney damage in general? Can you say something about that? That's a very good question, and um, we do have some retrospective data here on uh, amyloidosis, and it's reversible, but it can take a long time before all amyloid, for example, has disappeared. But it's re reversible. What's not reversible, of course, is chronic damage, and that's also an important indication for doing a biopsy, because on a biopsy we can see to what extent the glomerulus, the nephron, is already dead, so to say. So what can be rescued? Um, if there is, for example, 80% of chronic damage, then it's no use anymore to give um, hematological therapy since it's very unlikely that we can restore, that we can recover uh, the kidney function. And what do we have to do then? Yes, the supportive therapy always. Um, we try to reduce proteinuria. We try to protect the kidney. Um, and in nephrology, we are very bit conservative there and we are all we are using inhibitors of the RAS system, so the renina angiotensina aldosterone system. We also have newer therapies like like the SGLT2 inhibitors, which also reduce proteinuria, which are protective in the long term. But studies and MGRS of course have to come here because it's it's quite new in the field for us. Also other newer molecules like uh phenerenone, um are also protective, but they are not causal therapy. They are just supportive therapy. And virtually we have to, to give it to all our patients with MGRS. How many patients come to transplant? Since MGRS, if not treated uh, successfully, has a rather bad renal prognosis dependent on the class, of course. But I give the example of PGNMID, which is as a quite bad uh, renal prognosis and it's about 50% of the cases that they get into dialysis. If we wait long enough and the treatment is not successful, uh, we are happy to have dialysis as mm -hmm. a bridge to transplantation. So there is a little bit of shift there where we earlier thought that everyone should be in deep remission before being transplanted. It seems that we are gathering more information there about long-term prognosis after kidney transplantation. But they need treatment then after the transplant to reduce. Yes, yeah. yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and that maybe makes it easier for us to treat them. Also, that could be mm -hmm. a point. Yeah, if the transplantation is successful. Of yeah, course. but you are so good. So that I think. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes. 
Okay, I think this has been interesting to hear how you think uh, as a nephrologist and how I think as a hematologist. And, and we, we, we meet in, in these patients in a way, but we have a little bit different perspectives from the beginning. Yeah, uh, I agree. Do you think there, there's a need for concrete guidelines about MGRS? Absolutely, uh, yeah. Yes, where we should cooperate together. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it's a multidisciplinary approach, um, as well as in the, the prevention, the diagnostics, the, ter the therapy is all uh, multidisciplinary. So we really have to work together. And if we speak about guidelines, then yeah, no way that they can be written by only nephrologists. We need you. And the other way around, I think also. Do you have guidelines? We don't have guidelines on therapy, no. Uh, we have some statements, um, some expert opinions on when uh, to biopsy a patient with MGUS and a decline in renal function. We do have some recommendations, expert opinions, but not real guidelines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's something for the future. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me here and uh, for discussing these things. I uh, hope we have sort of Put the focus on this a little bit tricky thing for at the right time discover these patients that that uh, need therapy in a usually indolent disease and this can be tricky for us yeah but just connect with uh, the colleagues in the nephrology department and we do the same good answer <laughs> yeah. thank you so much amarilis thank you you have just listened to the hematology podcast by sanofi 